I've taken so many clients through this exercise of just going deep to speak their truth and then bring that into their message when they're speaking on all the different platforms or on stages or even talking to somebody one-on-one and to be able to bring that level of authenticity voice transcription, your heart speech, and bring that into chat GPT and then having it create what you want to create. That's when the real magic happened. Raise 1000 Voices is the podcast on a mission to raise the voices of the clever, creative and courageous women across the world. I am your host, Jacqueline Nagel, and I invite you to join me in conversations with women who will inspire and empower you as we explore just how to lift our levels of self-trust, to reclaim the narrative and to use our voice to go after exactly what we want, doing it with strength, power and grace. So I would love to welcome our next guest to the Raise 1000 Voices podcast, Amy Yamada, coming to us all the way from the USA. Amy, welcome. Thank you, Jacqueline. I'm so excited to be here. It's so fabulous to have you. Now, I've got to know you a little bit over the last few months. And what I'd love to do is a little bit of an idea of how Amy Yamada got to where she is, because right now you're evolving very quickly to be known as the coach for coaches who need to use chat GPT. Yeah. Yes, it has been quite a whirlwind because up until even this year, I, you know, I've had my business coaching business for 11 years and I've been really focusing on messaging and deep connection and authenticity and, and growing a coaching business. And as I started to learn more about AI and specifically chat GPT, I initially, I had my own resistance around it, but to make a long story short, I realized I could bring in everything that I've been doing for over a decade into AI and marry it so that when people are using it, they can bring out their most authentic voice. So it's just been quite a whirlwind these past few months and um, a really exciting one as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for those listening along at home, we've brought Amy into our groups and our cohorts and it's been phenomenal, the impact that she's made. And we're all about raising authentic voice. So there was a lot of skepticism about what you're going to bring to the table until you actually landed it for us. So you mentioned there about authenticity and messaging and showing up and business growth. Walk us through Amy's life, like the seven minute version of Amy's life. What's the story of Amy and how did you actually come to be in that position with your business coaching business and things like that? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because I, when I look back at my life and, and maybe you and others could probably relate to this too, is that if I look back at the stories of my life, of course I can see the uh, the connections, right? The, yeah. the connecting dots. And, and when I look back, even to when I was a little girl, I just loved meeting people. I loved connecting with people, making friends. And my family, I was born and raised in Japan and we were big on traveling. And so even when we would travel, I'd always want to meet another little girl that was my age, you know? (laughs) In fact, one summer we, we traveled quite a bit and, um, and anytime, you know, I was on a train or an airplane. And if I met someone, my, my age, we would chat away and we'd play. And then I would say, um, I'd say, let's stay in touch. And back then, of course it was old school, like snail mail. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I get your mailing address. And so we would exchange addresses and I was always committed to writing them and staying in touch with them. I didn't always get letters back, um, but I did get some from, you know, some of them. I remember one summer I made seven pen pals and one of them, I think of the word pen pal. And that sounds so yeah, like, <laughs> It's already out of date, isn't it? Yeah. We all grew yeah. up with it. Yeah. But there was one girl, that woman, of course, and we were pen pals for seven years. 
Oh, wow. And then we reconnected on Facebook. And so now I see everyone's while on social media. She lives across the country from me. But but my point is, is that even from a young age, I loved connection. I loved writing to people. I loved knowing their stories. I loved the idea of living a great life and, and uh, traveling and all these things. And so it, it makes sense looking back now to have gone from that to working. You know, I worked in the corporate world for about 15 years. Um, in the media, which is all about connection with audience, connection with clients and building businesses and connection with the community, and then going off my own to to doing this, you know, having this business coaching business and now with AI. So it's it's really at the core of it has always been relationship building, authenticity, meeting people, you know, collaborations, friendships, and uh, yeah, so it just all kind of makes sense when I look back. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting how in hindsight we can see all the dots come together, but coming into it, it feels like we're doing these very big tangents on and off the path, but then you realize it's all the same thing. So with your business coaching world, you've been in there for 11 years now, and it's something that you are well known for before this evolution into chat GPT. What is it that you love about that work? What did it give you a window into? Oh, so many things. I mean, part of it was to me being an entrepreneur, it represents so much in terms of having the courage to launch your own business in the first place. And, you know, a majority of my, my clients are women. I do now have some men in my community as well, but, um, but just having the courage as a woman to go off on your own and launch your own business. And I love how you speak into raising your authentic voice and creating a life on your own terms. Um, So having a vehicle, my, my business being a vehicle for all the things that I absolutely love for myself and others has been incredible and of course, it's had its highs and lows and moments of panic and freak out and all the things. <laughs> but it also, I wouldn't change it, though, because it, it's um, it, to me, it's a reflection of life. It's a reflection of, of who I am on the inside. It's a and it's, it's, it's an expression of myself. And it's also an expression of how I, I can be in service to the world while also growing abundantly and, and creating job opportunities as well and collaboration. So it has been a way for me to do what I really want to do in my life and to connect with exceptional people and to also realize I continue to realize my own gift and my own wisdom that I can also share with others so that they can use, use it with their gifts as well and bring their message into the world. So it's been so fulfilling and rewarding in so many ways. And then I just also love the ability to create my own schedule. (laughs) There is something with that. Oh my gosh. I think back to when, um, I needed to fill out a vacation request form if I wanted to take a day off. And I just can't imagine going back to that. You know, I like, I like having my own schedule, even if I still work a lot, uh, but there's times when I, you know, I choose to go on a vacation or take a day and do something totally different, or it's just, it's just easier now to have that level of flexibility in my life. So yeah, I yeah. did have a conversation with a girlfriend recently and I said, I've actually realized I'm unemployable and not because I don't have the skills, but because I actually don't think I'd last. So I'm hoping I never need that as a safety net because I think it's been pulled. Um, right. So, yeah. <laughs> what is yeah. the thing that you feel has been the greatest privilege of working predominantly with women? What has been the greatest privilege that you've seen in helping them step up and grow life on their terms? Mm. Um, I just, well, the women that I work with, I just find that we, we just gravitate towards one another and it doesn't have a, like the atmosphere and speaking about, I'm just thinking about the difference even between when I worked in corporate and how I work with my team and my clients. Now there's such a love and compassion for one another, such a, a, a beautiful respect and an honesty and an authenticity. And 
it's just different than what I experienced in my past life in the corporate world. And it's not that it was bad or wrong or anything like that. It's just deep down inside. I, I could see where there was something calling me forward and, and working with predominantly women. It's been inspiring to, to see like when they really let, like when they really let me see who they really are on the inside and, and to be in a community of women that really empowers them, inspires them to just really have that voice ripple effect out. I mean, I can't think of a, a better mission to be on than to like, like what you and I've talked about just in terms of raising voices and, and letting ourselves be heard and, and not in an edited way, but in the most authentic way of speaking your truth and not letting anyone or anything diminish who you really are. What breaks your heart about when women allow themselves to be diminished? Oh, to me, it's, um, it's almost like we're going backwards in time, you know, where, yeah. where, where women were, and I know it's, there's still, there's still work to be done there, but it makes me think to like how far we've come and let's not go backwards in terms of how, how many women have fought for us to have the voice that we have now. I mean, I even every once in a while take a moment, think about how, if I were born in a past time to imagine saying, well, I'd like to own my own business and have everyone just laugh their heads off and like burn me at the stake or something because I have a voice and a vision. And I mean, I, I think about that sometimes and I think, gosh, I, I'm so glad that I'm in this time, right? Yeah. Because I can't imagine having someone else tell me what I can or cannot do and to say, this is your role and be this certain way and speak a certain way. And yet some of my upbringing, I, I felt that way in some ways, you know, I, I was born and raised over in Japan and I'm, I'm half Japanese, half American. And so I was, I was born and raised in a, in a bicultural home. And with that came um, some cultural, you know, elements influences. Yeah. and influences. And, and so my, my interpretation of that growing up was, oh, in order to be loved and accepted, I must show up as a good girl, a good student, speak a certain way, you know, look a certain way. I, I thought that's how I needed to live my life. Yeah. And I know that some of that on a subconscious level, I even brought into, you know, my college years and as an adult and, and I'm still, I'm still working on myself, right? Still, <laughs> it's, a still, journey. it's a never ending journey. It's a, it's a never ending journey. And at the same time, I'm so, I've, I've become so much more aware of it. And I just think at the end of the day, one thing that I, I realized that through, especially as an entrepreneur, I just, I just continue to peel back my layers. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be me. Yeah. I'm just going to be me because it's easier to be me than try to please everybody else. And so, you know, being a former people pleaser and thinking I need to be a certain way. And, and as soon as I started being myself, it, it, I remember like over those, especially the years that I just started to really like become who I am now, you know, I, there were some, some friendships that became more distant and a family member that just didn't align with me. And it, there's just some things that happened that were heartbreaking, but I thought, okay, I can either try to accommodate them by being who I think they want me to be, or I can just be myself and not everyone's gonna be happy with that. And that's okay. I think it's one of the most courageous stands we can make is to actually start to peel back the layers and become who we're meant to be, who we're designed to be. What was the most challenging part for you of that process? Like, where did you have to start? Where did you have to go? Mm. I mean, I first think about, I mean, just even in life on a deeper level, I first think about the friendships in my life. There, there was a time when I would, I, I seem to always have one friend, even from a young age through probably like my even early thirties, where I'd always have one girlfriend that we, you know, we'd be tight and we'd be doing all these things together. But at the end of the day, it wasn't, 
an authentic friendship, but I couldn't see it. Right. Like I'm definitely someone who always like sees it as a, you know, the glass half full and always look for the good in people. And maybe, maybe it was a bit naive. I don't know, but it, it's something where I, I would always let someone in that would, I would let them take advantage. I would let them kind of diminish my voice. And it wasn't until I had, it seemed like the same person kept showing up in a different person, right? Like the yeah. same. <laughs> it's like repeat. Yeah. Like, like, after we'd move away from each other, then someone else would show up in my life and this would be like the same type of vibe. And and finally, finally, there was this one woman that I was dear friends with. But every time I spent time with her, I was like, I, I feel kind of funny when I when I move, you know, go back home or whatever. And I thought it's because some, sometimes I hear her say things that feel like they just hurt, you know? And, and I thought yeah. if I ever hurt someone's feelings, I would want them to tell me so that I, I could know what did I say that was offensive or disrespectful in any way. And so I thought, okay, this is my chance to be honest and tell her, hey, sometimes when you say things, you know, like, this is how I feel, you know, just be you know, really taking ownership of it. And so I did that. And, and her response to me was like, oh, Amy, you're just so sensitive. And, you know, and it was just, it completely backfired. Um, but I'm so proud of myself for speaking up and recognizing this is not the type of friendship I want to be in. And do you think it, that's it, one of those moments in time where the, where the access started to change for you? Absolutely. I remember where I was. I was at a, I was at a coffee shop and I was nervous and I spoke to her and I said, Hey, I just want to share this a few things that have come up in just the last few days in conversation. And in the moment, I haven't known exactly how to respond to it, but she was bringing up some things from my past that were really vulnerable and things that I confided in her. And, uh, and it, I just realized like, I'm, I'm no longer going to tolerate that. But I approached it in a very respectful way and she did not receive it. And and so I thought, okay, it's not landing. That means that I can choose out of this friendship and that's okay. So there are just some moments like that in my journey where I realized life is too precious to yeah. not be ourselves. Life is too precious to be in relationship with, with anyone if they're treating you a certain way that is not like filling you up. I feel like when when we spend time with people, we have an experience of them, right? Whether yeah. it's a loved one, a client, a friend, a team member, whoever, it's like we have an experience of them. And and my, I have so many people in my life where when I spend time with them, I feel so filled up, you know, where I'm like, oh, I don't even want you to leave. Like, this is yeah. too good. Yeah, <laughs> and please stay. It's not, it's not that everything's perfect all the time, but it's always coming from such a loving, compassionate place and a real authentic place. And then there's others that for whatever reason, I would leave feeling a bit drained and a bit like, huh, that was why did she say that? Or why did he say that? Why did they say that? And it just didn't align. And thought, well, I have a choice whether or not I want to spend time with this person and whoever I'm spending time with is also influencing me and I'm influencing them. And what kind of influence do I want in my life? So yeah, so there definitely have been some moments like that where I've realized um, that setting those boundaries and being true to who I am and choosing who I'm in relationship with and choosing who I, who I want to be in this world. It's like, it's so important. It's the most important thing. I think it's actually what I what's landed for me with that is that just the sentence that you kept saying, I can choose. Yes. I think so many people, so many people that we all work with have lost sight of the fact that they can choose. They are an adult. As you know, we work with women who are finding their voice and teach them to speak. And yesterday this woman landed this incredible first-time keynote. And part of it was she said, I was actually told by a yoga instructor that I was an adult and I could make a choice of my own. And she said, and it literally sat me on the ground. 
there was a whole new concept that I could actually literally make a choice on my own. So we talk about the things that, you know, that are kind of not as satisfying that we learn to let go of and all that sort of thing. What is it that you think that you've brought through from your upbringing and through from that story of Amy as a young girl and a teenager? What is it you've brought through at a personal level that's really shaped who you are now that you're grateful you have it? Yeah, it does come back to like really connecting within, like to connect with myself. Who am I on the inside? And and this is something that I, I realized from you, again, from a young age and as I've gotten older is that um, it's when I have given myself that consistency of having that deep connection with who I am, that there's just, just this easier way of being, of be, feeling guided and, and inspired by where I want to go from here. And, uh, and it, it's, it's, it's like when I've gone down another path, I can feel a difference within me. And then when I am read, like redirect myself, right. Of course, yeah. correct myself where I'm meant to go. It's like, there's a different feeling. And I, I was just talking to, um, uh, Ken love my life. Ken about this recently is that I, I love being around people and experiences and being in places where when I'm with the person or in the experience or in the environment, I actually love who I am more in that mm. space. That makes sense. It does. And so when I, I had that realization. I'm like, well, if I love being near water, I should always be near water as much as possible. And if I love connecting with other incredible people, then I should surround myself with incredible people. And if, and if I, I love speaking on stages or if I love posting high-end retreats or, you know, whatever it is, like if those are things and people and experiences that I love to have, or how do I want to give back in a bigger way? And, and, and so I just think about when have I felt most like me, like the best, most authentic, raw version of me, unapologetic, unedited. Like, when have I felt that way? And what if I experienced more of that because I chose to ex- create and experience more of that? So, um, yeah, it's it's really it's really fun to think about all those moments throughout the journey that that has been such a an element of it. There's an interesting, I have an interesting love-hate relationship with the adage that we can't be what we can't see because I think it it locks us into we can't be the first to create. Having said that, though, with your life and and your story, is there anybody who role modeled that for you, that ability to recalculate, that ability to stay true, that ability Mm -hmm. to be curious about what could be? You know, I I think there have been multiple people throughout my journey and, um, you know, okay, I'll just speak. The first person that does come to my 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 mind is my father. And while we've had our we've had our ups and downs for sure, when I think about my upbringing with him, I think about him being someone who, anytime he said he would do something, no matter how bold it was, he said, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it." Like he, he would just do it. He would follow through with whatever it was. And I remember we were leading into one summer. So again, this is when I was back in Japan. And my, my Japanese papa, he said, uh, let's, you know, we love traveling. So he said to us, like, we were planning a trip to Europe for the summer. My mom was a teacher. He had his own business. So they had, they could create a schedule also that worked with the kids too, for family vacations in the summer. And uh, I said, let's go to Europe. Of course, we're excited about that. And he was, I know, let's go to Egypt. And my mom says to him, he said, oh, Toshi, we're not going to go to Egypt. I mean, come on, right? And he's like, no, let's, let's go to Egypt. I think it'd be really great to go to Egypt. And, and I'm just watching them. And I said to my mom, like, mom, anytime Papa says we're going to do something, we do it. So I think we're going to Egypt this summer, you know? And, and so we didn't even have the whole trip planned out. We had like, 
like a flight <laughs> to like Germany. Like we had part of the trip planned out and the rest was spontaneous. And, and that summer and we, we, we found ourselves all getting on these camels and <laughs> with the <laughs> family photo. And it was a really cool experience, but um, he's definitely someone who always would say you can do anything. And, mm-hmm. um, and he had a very strong spirit around and he's still with us, but like growing up with him, he would just, he would just say these things. Like if there's something that you want to do, just do it. You know, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And you can be and do whatever it is you want to be and do it. And, and you just say, you know, he had some of these sayings. He would say, just do it, make it, you know, make it happen. So it's it great. Love that. Is that some of the things that you try to instill into your clients through the world of getting them to step up, getting to speak up, getting to grow these businesses? Is that one of the key messages that you bring through and support them with? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just talking to one of my long-term clients uh, just a little bit ago today and and she's got a, a big event coming up. And, you know, whenever you're getting close to a big in-person event, there can be that feeling of like, oh, like it's so stressful. There's so many components of this. And and there might be even some questioning around, should I even do this anymore? It's just, it's, yes, it's it's an exciting thing, but it's so much work. And yeah. um, and so I shared with her something that that I've been playing with, which is, is this whole experience, which I know a lot of us know this, but to practice on a daily basis is to think about, imagine that you're already where you want to be, right? So even with some colleagues of mine, we were talking about, if I were an eight-figure entrepreneur, what if like if I spent the next year making decisions as if I were already there, how would I think differently? What decisions would I make differently? How would I show up differently? How would, what would my time management look like? What would my team look like? I love that idea of think about where you want to be, whatever that is, whether it's a financial vision or be with the love of your life if you're not already with them or like whatever it is. Like, okay, if I were already there, how would I be? Right, be be that way of being already. And uh, so we're having fun talking about. Um, shifting some gears and, and thinking differently and being in that energy and really honoring where she gets to go from here. And, yeah. um, and I'm doing that too, as I'm in my next stretch in my journey too. And, and so it's, it's been exciting to, uh, inspire that with my clients as well, for sure. It's, it's kind of incredible. And it's not a female story, but there is a story that I use in facilitation skills, which is about, um, the CEO and the COO of Intel when Intel was failing. And most of us don't remember that Intel actually was failing at one stage. And they had a conversation because they knew that their jobs were on the line, the board was meeting, they were probably going to be out of the organisation. And they actually had a conversation where the CEO asked the COO, well, if they do move us and they bring in a new CEO and COO, what do you think they're going to do? And they had a big conversation about it and then realized there was no reason why they couldn't do that themselves. So they took everything from that brainstorming about what would they do if they came in with a clean slate and it wasn't us sitting in this chair. And then they realized that they could do that. And I think that was one of the most, I think it's one of the most powerful stories I've ever heard about putting yourself out into a different scenario and then saying, well, why, why are we not doing that now? Which is essentially what you're speaking about. Yeah, I love that. I love that exercise. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think we should all practice that a lot more. <laughs> um, sure, yeah. So you, you've had this evolution into ChatGPT for those of us in the coaching world. I think all of us across the USA and Australia now that Amy Yamada is the, the coach for coaches using ChatGPT, and you've done that very fast. What mm-hmm. I find really curious and what people don't realize until they're actually inside Amy's world and Ken as well because he's like this tech support superstar behind you with as well with this what I 
what I want you to kind of walk us through is how did you connect from this? And I've been in rooms where you've been teaching and facilitating. You are completely heart-centered. You take everybody in your rooms to your heart space. How did you reconcile that move, that transition, and that shift? Yeah, I mean, it it all happened so fast. <laughs> it really did. I, I, as I myself started to play with chat GPT specifically, there's a lot of other, of course, AI platforms and so much is emerging every single day right now. It's very, I think it's a very exciting time. Some people see it as scary, uh, but I, I just started to play with it. And at first I thought, oh, like I, I must have some ego show up because I, I believe I'm a great writer. I love creating my own content. And, um, and even though I've, I've hired copywriters in the past, I thought, well, I don't know if this thing can write better than me, right? And so yeah. initially I just thought, oh, so I was putting in these prompts and and um, and it was, you know, spitting out these, you know, an email or a blog post or a social media post. And I thought, ah, I don't, I don't know about this. But then I realized, well, if I really wanted to leverage this, then I've got to think about what I'm asking it or telling it to do because it's only going to be as good as what I tell it to do. And so then I started to play with it and think about, well, I've been doing, I've been working with messaging as, as the core of what I've been doing for so long, deep connection, authenticity. So I was thinking about how can I bring what I've been doing for over a decade into AI? And so I just started to really play with it. And Ken and I also had deep conversations about what could this look like? How can we use this? And we thought, well, if we wanted to use it for copywriting, for example, right, because we can create emails and social media posts and blogs and landing page copy, all the different things that can take a lot of time and save that, you know, solve that problem of time. But if I wanted to hire it as a copywriter, then what would I do with an actual copywriter? And with a copywriter, they would, a great copywriter would interview me and I would tell them who I am, what I'm about, my tone of voice, my style, right? Give them some writing samples that I've written in the past, find out about who my ideal client is, like really have all that information so that they can have what they need to create the not just the best copy, but the most authentic representation of who I am, what I'm about, what my voice is. And so I thought, well, what if we did that with ChatGPT? And so yeah. what if we had it interview us? What if we told it what our writing style was? What if we told it, like basically trained it to work for us in the way that we'd want it to work for us, just like we might do with a team member. And as we started doing that, we saw the magic unfold. Right? Like, it oh is magical. God. And we designed a framework around it. And then we started to create our own tool behind the scenes for it. And then we brought in uh, the heart speech, which is something I've taught for many years, which is all about dropping into your heart and really connecting in. What do I really want to say? And even before AI, I mean, I, I've, I've taken so many clients through this exercise of just going deep to speak their truth and then bring that into their message when they're speaking on all the different platforms or on stages or even talking to somebody one-on-one. -on -one. And to be able to bring that level of authenticity, voice transcription, your heart speech, and bring that into ChatGPT and then having it create what you want to create, that's when the real magic happened. And I thought, okay, this, this is the stuff right here. And as I started to share with people, they loved it. They really, I mean, your, your community was so gracious with me and, and, uh, and just loved it as well. And it, it just, and it just became this ripple effect out because everyone else, not, I shouldn't say everyone, but so much of what's been out there has been focused on productivity yeah. and not honestly, right? It's yeah. like, here's a thousand prompts. Here's this, here's that. And it's like, I don't want a thousand prompts. No, I want to save time and I want to create quality work 
And, and so we realized like, when Ken and I were talking about it, we thought, okay, what are our core values? And we, we nailed down to three when it comes to chat GPT and AI, it's efficiency, which is what most people are using it for. But then we also said quality and yeah. authenticity. Yeah. And having those three pillars has really helped us to create what we've created in this, in this space of AI. And even now that we've been invited to speak or connect with some of these like powerful AI users that have been deep in it well before I was, First of all, I'm the only woman when I'm in these groups. Wow. So even still, are we gonna we're gonna put a line in that and come back to that. Yeah, Actually, we're gonna put a peg in that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been invited to to uh come to these basically like they're meetings. It's not a master, it's like there's meetings where this it's a small group of people, highly influential, you know, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs. And someone connected me with this group and and I found myself sitting at this virtual table and I'm looking around the virtual, I'm like, wow. I'm the only woman and what these, these guys are speaking into is, and they're all very brilliant. They're computer yeah. scientists, they, they're, they're software engineers. They totally get like deep, they're deep into tech. And I remember on one of these, uh, these meetings and we we're all sharing what we were working on and sharing, they were screen sharing and sharing what they're developing. They've got development teams and all this stuff. And then I brought up authenticity and I said, well, in, in my industry, <laughs> It's really important that we're not just using it to create content for us. It's about having it originate from us and bring an authentic voice. And there was one guy on there that said, well, I don't think that's going to even matter. And I was like, wow, that's an extraordinary statement. He said, I think as, as more and more content is being created by AI, there's going to be such an immense growth of volume of content. Is it like, he's like, it's, I don't think it's going to matter. People aren't going to care about that so much because they want the content. I'm like, okay, I, re I realize there's some context here. Like if you're just trying to sell me this pen, then I don't care if the write-up about it comes from you. However, if you are a coach, a mentor, an influencer, if you're an someone advisor. that I'm an advisor, right, then I want to know that you didn't just have this robot use all of its trillion resource, hundred trillion resources to give me the Wikipedia of it all. Right. It's like, I don't, I don't want that. I want you, right. I want to know that this originated from you. And I just had an issue. I was like, ah, like I just, uh, yeah, I would have been, I would have had a really big visceral reaction to that. I would have like, like, I'm like, no, it does. It, it does matter. And, and, and then there was somebody else that said, um, if we have chat bots that are, that are, you know, represent saying that it's us, I'm okay with chat bots, but I also will be honest that, Hey, this is a chat bot representing, you know, like I want people to know, because if they think they're actually chatting with me and they're not, it's, it's going to break, a lot of trust. it's going to break a lot of trust. It's going to break relationships. And that doesn't work for me. So it's just been interesting. I mean, I'm not here to bash that group because it's an incredible group and, and there's so much amazing things that they're developing behind the scenes. Uh, but that was a moment I'll never forget. And, and no. it also, me up. It, it has me even more on a mission to bring authenticity into AI so that as we, as the volume grows, like our authenticity also is expanded. Yeah. And I think that's actually, the, and I think that's why I resonated when you first popped up in within the mastermind group that we're both part of and yeah. talking about the authentic piece. I was like, what got my attention straight away was I'd never heard anybody in that tech space talking about this. And my view has always been with that technology, even before ChatGPT and the like took off late last year, is that 
it's an increasingly busy world and the only way we can stand out is our true authentic voice because how else do people know that it's us? So that's what really got my attention. What's just got my attention now, though, is that this room, you're the only woman, which also plays out with, so I got quite, I did a lot of messaging around International Women's Day because the Embrace Equality comes from the marketing company that does International Women's Day. The actual UN mission this year was called Digital, as in A-double-L, and it was about actually really bring your focus into AI and technology because of the inherent male bias. So 78% of professionals and coders in AI are male, mm. right? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and um, so UNESCO did a report on it. And the other the other piece of information that really got my attention was, and we know this, but we don't think about it consciously. AI, as we know, is machine learning. It learns off current data sets. That's why everybody's waiting for the next release of chat GPT-4 so we could get the bigger data sets. But those data sets are inherently male biased. So I'm getting quite adamant that it's never been more important for women to raise their voice and not just to be noisy because there's now so much noise. So how do you actually raise it in a way that cuts through, which has always been the objective, but now it's actually critical because if we don't teach women how to lobby, we don't teach them how to argue, we don't teach them how to influence, we don't teach them how to negotiate and persuade, it doesn't matter what policies and frameworks are in place, this AI wave will take away the gender and equality progress that we've made for decades now. And I'm quite passionate about this. And, and I know how you feel about authenticity and that. I'm just wondering how that, what comes up for you when I say that? Because I'm adamant women have got to speak up now like never before. Yeah, yeah it, you know, it's interesting because oh, so many thoughts just went through my head at the same time. It's interesting because I think there is a um, a fear with with people, but also with women specifically around technology. And maybe because it has been a, a male-dominated industry, and I think that women tend to—I don't know what it is—but I'm—I'm I'm guilty of this myself—to diminish ourselves, right? Yeah. And so, uh, in order to, because inherently, women want to feel safe and secure. So whenever mm-hmm. something comes up, even if it's whether it's conscious or subconscious, that may bring up fears or triggers or danger or anything like that it's our nature to protect ourselves or have a desire to feel safe right yeah and so and so what's been interesting even again before ai um especially being online you know being an online entrepreneur i mean i do love hosting in-person events too but being predominantly online i myself have said in the past and i've heard many women in the both recent months and in the past say oh well i'm just not good at tech or i'm not tech savvy and it's this I am statement. And so we're choosing an identity of I'm not good enough for this, or I don't see myself as someone who can learn this mm-hmm. or figure this out. And I'm not saying we all need to become coders or software engineers. I'm, I'm not saying any of that. And we are in a time in life when we all use technology. We all have our, our phones and our laptops and our iPads. And and for those of us who are entrepreneurs, we have our, our websites and our landing pages and our email marketing systems and our Calibly's and acuities and like all these, it's like, okay, you don't have to be a coder and know how to do all the things in order to be tech savvy, but let's not diminish ourselves and say, I'm not good at tech. Yeah. Right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? It absolutely is. And I mean, up until fairly recently, I, I would find myself sometimes saying that because I've been surrounded by so many people that are, that have been doing the software engineering and the 
the the coding, the things that I think of as deep tech. And yeah. at the same time, it's just about context. And so when I started to really dive into chat GPT specifically and started sharing with others what I was learning, I didn't call myself an expert, but everyone else around me said, oh, you're the expert. And I thought, well, that's weird. I, I, <laughs> I didn't say I was the expert, but I was deep in it enough and ahead of them enough that that's what they saw. And now, now I just am like, yes, I'm an expert because I can confidently lead a workshop. I'm already leading my second program. You know, we're doing these 30 day activity for coaches programs. I've hosted intensives. I've hosted numerous workshops. I've spoken in numerous groups and, and I, I don't have a problem talking about it. Also, if somebody says, Hey, do you know about about X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever platform, if I don't know, then say, I no, I haven't used that yet. So, yeah. So, you know, where your lane is with this. Exactly. And, and I, and I, I'm not, I'm not trying to go down a path of, of doing the things that I'm not interested in, but I do outsource those things and I know enough about them to speak into them. So yeah. my point is, I, I just want to take a stand for women to, first of all, AI is not going anywhere. And I highly, highly recommending and inviting you to just check it out and have fun with it. I think it's really fun to play with it. And if there's any fear that's coming up, just ask yourself, what is the fear that's really coming up? Because one of the questions I keep hearing from people is like, oh, well, what if I put in my information and someone else then takes it, right? There's these fears, like, what if I put in my IP and then, and then where does it go and who has access to it? And I'm like, okay, chat GPT four came out two days ago from when we're recording this, right? It's like, it has access to 100 trillion parameters in its database that was curated for us to use this platform don't worry about you. Like from my point of view, it was like, they're not looking for you. They're not coming to None. get your stuff. And the way I look at it, cause I'm an entrepreneur too. I have IP too, right? If someone was coming to steal my stuff, they were going to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. They were going to do it. Anyway. So like, and don't we want to get our message out? Like I'm trying to get yeah. my, I want my stuff to be in there so people can somehow find me in there. Right. Like, yeah. I, I want it. So like, so it's just funny to me, the, the questions that keep coming up and I would just say play with it, get to know it because it's not going to be people like my friend's father who never got a cell phone, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I spoke about with our, um, with our group program before we brought you in was I said, you know, it's the reason I chose to bring you in to talk to us was quite simply, we had web 2.0 changed marketing. We had smartphones change how we communicate and do everything. And I said to people, and this is not going away. This is the same inflection point. And before we did the masterclass with you, when you so generously gave us your time, before we did that masterclass, most in that room were very resistant. Most of the room were actually, I don't need to know about this. Um, It's okay. I'll catch up later. And by the time you finished, there was a few things that happened that I want to actually just share with our audience so they understand is, Number one, every woman had their own ChatGPT account by the time you finish your masterclass. More than half of that room and some of our colleagues also came into your program. And it wasn't because you sold in a program. It was because the possibility of actually colliding authenticity with efficiency. And I think that nexus was actually what really got people's attention was I think everyone's pushing it back because it's like I don't want to sound like everyone else it's just going to be taken from this mainstream like that guy in the room said does it really matter anyway 
But once you showed how to bring this authenticity into it and collided it with how efficient it was, when we did the calibration at the end of the day, and I want everyone to hear this, the main feedback was Amy's session gave me an overwhelming sense of relief. And it wasn't just relief about what's coming. It was like, I can get all this stuff that burns my brain at the moment off my desk, right? I can get it. And we now, so I know that you call it Chachi in your world. We call it Coco in ours because we work just with women and Coco Chanel's my muse. So she's Coco in our world. And we now use Coco and openly so across all of our clients as our brainstorming partner. So we don't see Coco as the creator. We see her as the brainstorming partner. And one of the things that one of our women said the other day was she's now lost the blank page effect, right? So she now no longer gets stuck with a blank page in front of her, you know, and that's the beauty of it. And I think if we understand that this is as powerful as Web 2.0 as smartphones coming through and this is not going away, it's really important. From your perspective, why does it make it more important? As I said, I'm getting more and more vocal about women really need to speak up now. We really need to find our truest, most powerful voice. What comes up for you when I say that? Do you, like, is that how you see the world as well? Absolutely, absolutely. And and as we're speaking to ChatGPT and AI, it's that the, the sheer volume of content is going to grow massively because of this, this new technology, right? And then I recently learned that the prediction is that within five years, of all content will be AI generated. So that can either freak us out or we can say, what if we are a part of that 90% that brings an authenticity to it and has our voices heard and our truth spoken and and that ripple effect go out. And so I am am such a stand for women to both speak your your truth, speak authentically, um, and also use ChatGPT, use AI, because it's going to help you to amplify your message it's not here to replace you it's here to amplify you if you know how to yeah. use the tool right? yeah so yeah. brainstorm and amplify I love those two coming together Amy as you know most of our audience is women the same as a majority of your, although your audience is shifting very quickly with the new chat evolution <laughs> who are the women that have really inspired you or continue to inspire you mm. you know I, I as I think about this question it's a great question um well, first of all, my my mother, who sat, sadly she passed in 2010, um, and she she's just someone who is always in my heart. She was just an incredible mother, and she was a teacher for 42 years. And mm-hmm. um, and and I think about how when she was in the hospital the last few months of her life, because of because of the internet, actually because of social media, there were a lot of former students of hers that heard about her condition, her critical condition. I got so many messages, beautiful messages from people saying she was my favorite teacher. She was so inspiring. She inspired me to become a teacher, even though I was in her class in the fifth grade. Um, and, and I just think about how how many lives she influenced as a teacher and and just in who she who she was and how she was with people. I mean, she just lit up a room. You know, she was just someone who was so graceful, so loving. Uh, she never needed to be the center of attention. She's she's had this like powerful grace about her. And um, I just get chills thinking about her. So she's definitely someone. And then I, and then right now, when I think about your, that question, it's the women I surround myself with. Yeah. It's the women that I, I, I have met as an entrepreneur who, who are just always committed to the best version of themselves, committed to speaking their truth and committed, committed to building friendships with one another 
where we're in it together. I, I'm inspired yeah. by you and what you're creating here. I'm inspired by others in our mastermind that we're in. I'm yeah. inspired by the women I've met along the way that I I just I just see them and they see me and we we in, inspire and empower each other. Like I want all of them to win so big. It's not a competition to me. It's it's a collaboration. It's it's um it's us rising together as women and I'm so inspired by the women I surround myself with truly. Love that. I love that so much. I'm going to ask, because actually I just realized that we've been talking for quite some time and I'm going to have to wrap it out. I think that always happens when you and I have a conversation. Um, what, I, what I'd love to know, are you a book or a podcast girl or both? Um, I would say both. Yeah, both. Both. <laughs> so what's your go-to books? What are the ones that have made an impact for you? Oh, I mean, most recently I, uh, well, I read the book, Choose Yourself. I love the book, yeah. Choose Yourself by James Altucher. I also was a, I feel like I was a late, late comer with um, all the, the badass books, you know, <laughs> like, you are a badass and you're a badass with money. I'm like, I just want to keep hearing that I'm a badass. So um, um, I also loved, it was, it, it was a long time ago that I read um, Eat, Pray, Love, but I often think about this, just the authentic storytelling in that book, the vulnerability yeah. and the journey and all of that. Like I, I just, I just love Elizabeth Gilbert. I think she's an incredible author and, and just the way she writes is so like feel like you're on the journey with her. So yeah. um she did yeah. a um she did a short podcast series back in about 2015, I think, about creativity. And it's a short series, it's six or eight episodes. She, I don't think she's done anything else since that's her own podcast. And it's it's incredible. And I remember actually listening to it on the treadmill and it just infiltrated every part of me uh, oh, with her nice. approach to creativity and and it's still live I found it the other day it's still live on podcasts on um, Apple Podcasts oh, yeah, so, I, find that. I want to hear it yeah big um big it's big something it's beautiful and it's an amazing short series podcast oh, it's so, big magic like her book right big magic yeah maybe? it might be actually um it's a really incredible podcast series it's very different as you would expect from Elizabeth. And it was just, it fired every creative bone in my body. So speaking about podcasts, what do you hang out with in podcast time? You know, I, I really love um, Amanda Francis <laughs> and she's very different. Like we have a very different vibe and all that, but I, I had heard a few people saying, oh, I should listen to Amanda Francis. And once again, I'm really drawn to people who are bold and courageous and edgy and to me just come across as authentic. So I, I don't, I don't, there's no one podcast host. I listen to all of their podcasts. Yeah. It's just often that when I hear about one, I'm like, Oh, I'll turn it to that one or I'll turn it to that one. So it's not one person. I just, you know, I'll just hear about a specific episode of somebody's and I'll, I'll turn into that. So, but yeah. 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 Amazing. And then as we wrap out, Amy, final question, what is one piece of advice or one piece of wisdom you'd love to share with our audience? You know, I was thinking about this because I always want to leave something so profound. I'll, I'll pass along one of the best pieces of advice I got at when I was leading my dream big event. It was a conference event that I hosted um, a couple of years in a row pre-pandemic. And it was day two of my event. And I was, I felt like day one went really well, but there was something missing. You know, as a speaker, I want to feel so connected to the audience and creating experience and we're in this together. And uh, a friend of mine, I was talking to him and he, and I, and I was telling him this and he just looked me straight in the eyes and said, Amy, just be so honest with them. And I was like, oh, okay. It was one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got, not just for that day and in my life and anytime I speak and uh, that shifted the entire event. I got on that stage. I went completely off script. 
it, it just was one of those epic experiences. And so I want to pass that along to everyone here. Just be so honest. Say what you really want to say. Speak your truth. Life is too short to not be who you are because you are the only you there is. So just be honest. Amazing. Amy Yamada, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been such a delightful conversation and I'm so grateful for you, Jacqueline, as well. So thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Raise 1000 Voices. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. And if you have, then I would love you to subscribe to and rate the show on your favorite platform. Our show notes, resources, and links to all our socials can be found at anygiventuesday.com.au forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join a growing community of clever, creative, and courageous women who know that they want to be seen, heard, and remembered, then join us in our Facebook group, raise 1000 voices. Until we speak again, take care and remember you were born to raise your voice.